This is the Life Truth Network. Truth Exposed, Episode 36. Exposed, a feature of Quest for Truth where we take a deep dive into Scripture. Now located at life-truth.com. And now, here are your hosts, Keith Heltsley and Nathan Caldwell. Yeah, welcome everybody. This is your host, Keith, and it's time for our monthly deep dive into Scripture where we try to slow down and uh, go through verse by verse to see what's here. Uh, we'll be looking at the last part of John chapter 10, and you'll hear more about that in a little bit. Uh, it's a little on a longer side, but we actually managed to squeeze in quite a lot of ground to get to the end here, so uh, we have that. You will hear uh, from our co-host, Nathan Caldwell, and as usual, our most favored radio Bible teacher, the long-deceased, Jay Vernon McGee. All of his ministry lives on on the Internet. You can find uh, a podcast of all of his work over there on iTunes. Just do a search in that directory. Uh, his regular ministry still is on through the Bible ministry, ttb.org. Look him up. Listen to him. Uh, if you have a, uh, uh, a dot Amazon type of a device, all you got to do is tell it. To play through the Bible Ministry podcast, and you'll get the latest one. So, with that said, um, let's get busy right after a fast word from the folks at Christian Podcast Community dot org or dot com. I think both will work. Here we go. Have a listen. On March fifteenth. The universe explodes. Beware the Ides of March. Coming soon from Dr. What? That's Dr. What? Only on Protectorate Productions Comedy Showcase at bit.ly.com slash funny and clean. Hey, this is Keith, uh, co-host of Quest for Truth, and I wanted to take the time to feature a few of the fine podcasters you'll find over at christianpodcastcommunity.org. And you can find this page if you add slash shows, and you'll find... The Celebration of God with A.M. Brewster, hosted by A.M. Brewster. The year-long celebration of God as a dynamic discipleship experience that utilizes the Bible or holiday calendar and moments of the most normal days to equip Christians in their faith communities to better know and serve God all year long. That's a mouthful, but it's a short podcast, and uh, A.M. Brewster does an excellent job at sharing his ministry. Steve and Bethany's Hopecast, one of my favorites that are there on the Christian Podcast community, hosted by Steve Marston and Bethany Bilston. 
real life and faith. Now, these two are actually a pair of radio DJs who have uh, moved on from the world of broadcast radio, I think. Or maybe they still do, but they now offer uh, their ideas through their podcast. It's very uh, well done and very timely topics. Voice of Reason Radio with Chris Hanhals and Richard Story. Hosted by Chris Hanhals and Richard Story, Chris and Rich explore biblical theology and practical application each week on the podcast. There's always a good word about a hot topic of the day uh, that uh, Christians in our society needs to hear. So, no matter which of these podcasters you choose to listen to, please do visit them at christianpodcastcommunity.org. If you add slash shows behind the URL, you'll see all the shows that are listed there. Uh, please do click on the podcast you want and listen to the shows, but also leave an email comment and email forms that are there and show a little support that way. It's free. This takes a little bit of time and the podcasters will know that you are listening. Hey, and if you do that, tell them how you heard about their show. Main topic. Um, this is going to be on uh, the last part of John chapter 10, uh, going from verse um, 22 through 42, if we can, if we can swing it, I might only get uh, so far into it and have to stop, but we'll find out. Uh, but let's get going here. Verse 22. Um, At that time, the feast of the dedication took place in Jerusalem. Remember, Jesus had recently healed the blind man and just came in from this. Now, this is... Uh, Verse 22, it says, Now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Now, I heard recently that the feast of dedication was Hanukkah, where the temple was dedicated uh, after well, rededicated to God after the mess that Antiochus Epiphanes did. Um, and I thought that was interesting. And, and if that's the case, then Jesus celebrated Hanukkah. I mean, it's right here, isn't it? Or at least, if he didn't celebrate it, at least he lived during the time where it was going on. I don't see why he wouldn't celebrate it, though, because it's the, it would be the Feast of Dedication of the Temple. It would be an important feast. So I, I get it. I think this is one of the most vivid verses in the Scripture. It was that the Feast of the Dedication was winter. Now, let me just uh, use this time to uh, pause and do some recapping here. Uh, first of all, uh, the Feast of Dedication, as it's called here, uh, is also known uh, as Hanukkah. 
so this would be in the winter, uh, towards the end of November, uh, right around the Thanksgiving to the end of the month, it seems like, is when Hanukkah falls. Um, but previously, in autumn, uh, Jesus would have been at the Feast of Booths, where uh, he had delayed arriving after his brothers left. Uh, but he, at that time, uh, taught in the temple. Uh, he uh, was claimed he only did what the Father told him to do, do and say. Uh, Pharisees sought to seize him, but no man laid a hand on him at that time. Uh, even at that time, uh, officers of the temple said that no man has ever spoke like him. Uh, Nicodemus had tried to talk since to the other religious leaders. Um, and then we roll on to about chapter 8, where the uh, woman caught in adultery uh, had been brought to him, which uh, is debatable whether it happened. It's, it, it could have, but it may not have happened at that time, but certainly it probably did. Uh, but he began speaking uh, and teaching truth to uh, those who would listen, uh, probably anybody that was there, but largely the religious leaders. Uh, and again, he says that he's from the Father. He's going where they can't come. Uh, he is known by the Father. Uh, at that time, they got angry. They wanted to stone him, but he evaded them. Uh, then we move on. Uh, the blind man was healed. Remember that? Put the mud on the eyes. He was cast out of the temple uh, by the Pharisees after uh, sticking up for his belief in Jesus. Uh, then he moved into teaching lessons on sheep, the being the good shepherd. Uh, again, there was div division. He was claimed to have had a demon, which is not the first time he was claimed to have that. Uh, so that's just some background on what brings us to this passage at this time. And uh, those previous events seem to all have taken place uh, in the autumn around the Feast of Booths. But now it's winter, uh, and we're in uh, Hanukkah. In, verse, in fact, verse 23 says, <laughs> It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Now, this is the picture that's given to us here. Now, I haven't got any particular notes on this, but I do recall reading in a commentary, uh, of course, a portico, it's a porch, uh, Solomon's porch, I think was a enclosed or protected porch. And it was a common place where people would uh, uh, teach and stay out of the weather when it was hot and sunny and, uh, and stayed nice and warm uh, when it was cold. So it was uh, a common place for someone to teach there. Uh, verse 24. The Jews then gathered around him and were saying to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. The 24th verse here says, Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ... Tell us plainly, Christ being Messiah, if you're the one promised to come. Now, actually, he had not revealed publicly that he was the Christ. You see, these religious leaders, we're told they received him not. We've been told that. Now, they say, if thou be the Christ, you tell us. Now, he had not publicly declared his messiahship 
up to this point. Actually, he demonstrated in the triumphal entry. But he had to his disciples, you will recall, made it clear who he was, and actually up in the Samaritan country, which seems very strange indeed. You remember when those first men came to look for him or to follow him? And you remember Andrew went back and told his brother, we found the Messiah. And that was the same thing that you'll recall that Nathaniel said, Thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel, you're the Messiah. And then you'll find out that up there in the Samaritan country with that Samaritan woman, that these men that came down, they said, Now we believe not because of thy saying, the saying of the woman, but we've heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. And then back at this blind beggar, you remember we called attention to it. Jesus said unto him, 937, Thou hast both seen me, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he revealed himself. Well, by plainly, uh, that can mean publicly or openly, and, you know, nice plain language, they wanted to have Jesus tell them, I am this Messiah. But uh, did he do that? Let's find out. In verse 25, Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, these testify of me. Now, he declares his Messiahship. Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. Now, he offers proof that he is the Messiah. His works prove it. That's the proof. And, well, what are some of them? Go back and look at it. He was born in the line of David, according to prophecy, introduced by John. His teaching demonstrated it. His life demonstrated it. And his miracles demonstrated it. The proof that I do is the thought here in the word works. This is the proof that I am who I claim to be. First, Jesus said, you know, they said, if you're the Christ, teach, tell us. And he said, I've told you, you didn't like the answer. But then he tells them again. Okay. I told, uh, kind of reflects his uh, teachings of being sent by the Father, known to the Father, that the Father and he are one. He glorifies the Father. He uh, testifies to the Father. How many times did he say these things? Uh, He's telling them. You know, how many times have I already told you? Uh, his works, the works Jesus did, uh, it testifies. He, so he's, he's told them, uh, all these many times before, I and the Father are one, uh, type statements, and his works testify. Go back to chapter five, where he healed a layman. Chapter six, he fed the five thousand. Chapter seven, he taught in the temple. He fed this, uh, and ate too. He, uh, forgive, forgave the sins of the adulteress. He continued to teach truth. Uh, he, uh, in chapter nine, healed the blind man. And he, uh, continued to teach in chapter 10 about the metaphors of the good shepherd. So, okay. Has he been plain with them? Okay, let's go on to verse 26. 
but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. Now he says, but ye believe not because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. Let me turn this around and put it like this. Because ye are not of my sheep, ye believe not. Rather, the thought is that ye believe not. And because you believe not, that demonstrates that you're not my sheep. So, hmm. Uh, by not sheep, uh, other places talks about they have eyes but don't see, they have ears but don't hear. Uh, these are things that even Isaiah had issues with <laughs> and other prophets. Uh, because you can be born of Israel but not be Israel, I believe it also says uh, in other parts in Scripture. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Now, he gives the positive side of it. Will you notice this? My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Now we come to this wonderful section here. You see, the brand on the sheep of ownership is obedience. It's the one they follow. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Do you want to know whether a person is saved or not? Well, you tell me what his relationship to Christ is, and is he obeying him? You see, all of his sheep have a hearing aid. That hearing aid is they hear his voice. That is the blood-tipped ear that we saw about the priest. When he was dedicated, had blood put on the tip of his ear. He had a blood-tipped ear. And the Spirit of God has to open, because eye hath not seen, ear has not heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man, the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, that blood-tipped ear, that the Spirit of God can speak to. And they had a hearing aid. And in Proverbs 20, 12, it says, "...the hearing ear and the seeing eye..." The Lord hath made even both of them. Well, that's quite a wonderful verse, you see. He says, Hear my sheep, hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And friends, it's just as simple as this. If a shepherd came out of the morning and came to the fold, and then he began to call, Sheep, 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 and he started up the hill, and say there were 500 sheep, and a hundred of them came out and followed him. Do you know the conclusion I'd come to? They're his sheep. And I'd come to another conclusion. The 400 stayed in the fold were not his sheep. And that's true today. It's just as simple as that. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Jesus' words make sense for the ones who they're intended for. Wow, how can I say it any better than that? Uh, let's go on to verse 28. And I give eternal life to them, and they shall never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. Well, what about these sheep? Listen to him, and I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Can you notice what he does? He gives unto them eternal life. And friends... When he gives to them eternal life, that means they don't earn it. They don't work for it. He gives to them. And if it's eternal life, it's forever. And if it plays out next week, it wasn't eternal life at all. You see, the shepherd will die, 
But will the sheep be in danger? Well, they were scattered, but he gathered them all up again. And he says, they'll never perish. Neither will any man pluck them out of my hand. But why? I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish. Never perish? That's what he said. Backslide? Yes. Perish? No. The sheep might get in a pig pen? Yes. Stay there? No. Pig? No. Never a pig. Sheep they are. And no one can pluck them out of my hand. No believer destroy himself, but an enemy may get him. May I say, may come in like a roaring lion. No, he won't. No man will pluck him. No created thing pluck them out of my hand. There's an eternal promise here that Jesus assures us with. If you are one of his sheep, whether you are born of Israel and are his sheep, or whether you're born outside of Israel and you are one of his sheep, Eternal assurance here. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. You know, people might ask, how can you guys believe that once a person trusts Christ, they're always secure? And I look at these verses. I look at these verses, and I say, how... Can you think otherwise? Whoever believes on Jesus Christ, the Bible says, has everlasting life. If you could use, excuse me, if you could lose it, then it wouldn't be everlasting. Verse 29. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. He says, My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. This is wonderful. I, many years ago, preached on this passage when I was a young preacher at a church court meeting. I was asked to preach on this subject, and it was out in West Texas. And a big, long, tall Texas rancher, the kind that you think of when you think of a Texas rancher, very fine Christian, by the way, came up to me and he said to me, young man, that was a pretty good sermon. <laughs> and you know, that was a long time ago because he called me a young man. And he said that was a pretty good sermon. But he said, you don't know anything about sheep. And then he told me, he said, I have 2,000 sheep. And he says, there's somebody watching them all the time. He said, you know, if two little sheep go over the hill, and they're not but a half a mile from the flock. He said, they're lost. They cannot find their way back by themselves. And he said, the only way in the world they be safe is for the shepherd to be there. And he said, you know, a wolf might come up. Now he says he'll kill one of the little sheep. Now he says you'd think the other one would be smart. And he'd say, well, while he's my little brother, I'll go back over the hill and join the flock. Well, he doesn't know where to go. All he does is go, meh. And he runs around and waits so he can be dessert for the wolf. Now, this is what he said. He said, look, he says, you know, a sheep is stupid. A sheep does not have sharp claws. He can't defend himself. And he doesn't have fast legs. He can't run away from danger. He says, if a sheep is safe, 
It's not because the little sheep is clever or smart. It's because he has a good shepherd. Isn't that wonderful, friends? May I say to you, we say today that he gives to us eternal life and we'll never perish. Somebody says, you're bragging. Oh, no, friend, I'm not bragging, except I'm bragging about my shepherd. I got a wonderful shepherd. He said he won't lose any sheep. He started out with a hundred sheep. And he's going to come through, not with 99. If one of them gets out and gets lost and even gets in the pig pen, he's going out and get him, bring him in, because he starts out with 100 sheep, coming through with 100 sheep. Okay, the sheep belong to Jesus. Jesus has been given the sheep. Okay, he, he said, no one can snatch them out of my hand. But guess what? If you don't want to believe that Jesus is all that great, you have to believe that God is all that great. And you, there's none that's greater than God. And if you, and you can't take anything out of Jesus' hand, and you definitely cannot snatch it away from God. Here, no one will snatch them out of my hand. No one, he says, will snatch them out of my father's hand. And then he says, I and my father are one. Now, a lot of people are going to tell you a lot of things about, you know, what he meant when he said this, perhaps. But I want to tell you this. The Jews, in verse 31, took up stones again to stone him. In verse 30, I and the father are one. All right. <laughs> Is this plain enough language for these people? Well, the Jews thought so. Challenges, John chapter 10, verse 30. Was Christ one with the Father? The problem, Jesus said here, I and my Father are one. But on other occasions, he distinguished himself from the Father, saying, I came forth from the Father, and I leave the world and go to the Father. Uh, John sixteen twenty eight NASB says this, I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. I am leaving the world again and going to the Father. Further, he prayed to the Father as one person to another. In John 17, 1 through 26 NASB, Jesus spoke these things and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all you have given him he may give eternal life. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Verse 4, I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Verse 6, I have manifested your name to the men who you have gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now, they have come to know that 
Everything that you have given me is from you. For the words you gave me, I have given to them. And they received them and truly understood that I came forth from you. And they believe that you sent me. I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those who you have given to me. For they are yours. Verse 10. (laughs) And all things that are mine are yours, and yours are mine. And I have been glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are. Verse 12, While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name which you have given me, and I guarded them, and not one of them perished. But the son of perdition, so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Verse 13, But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. For I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world. Even as I am not of the world, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. Verse 16, They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves may be sanctified in truth. Verse 20, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their words, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me verse 24 father i desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where i am so that they may see my glory which you have given me for you loved me before the foundation of the world O righteous father Although the world has not known you, yet I have known you, and these have known that you have sent me. I have made your name known to them, and will make it known, so that the love which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. Whew! (laughs) And he even said... Uh, the Father is greater than I. Uh, anyway, that's a long uh, problem there, isn't it? The solution to all that. Jesus is one with the Father in nature, the dis- but distinct from him in person. The triune God had one essence, but three distinct persons. Um, comments on John 14, 28, uh, will also address this. 
which I'm not going to read now. We'll get to it later. So, Jesus was both the same in substance and yet a different individual from the Father. <clears throat> wow, a lot of complexity to basically, in that long pastoral prayer that Jesus was praying, to say that he is both different in person, but he's the same. And he, of course, he is, he, he did even in that long uh, passage claim uh, I and the Father are one. God sent me. Uh, he is in, uh, you are in me. I am you. Uh, there's a lot of intertwinedness there. And it's not at odds for him to say either. Uh, complicated. But that's how the Trinity works. Verse 31, the Jews picked up stones again to stone him. And so much so that then the Jews, which are the religious rulers, they took up stones again to stone him, you see. Okay. Uh, I don't really have a lot of notes on that one. But uh, I've mentioned it before in the past. Uh, uh, whenever he was, Jesus was in the, in the temple and he made him mad and they went to pick up stones I thought, did they keep stones just laying around in the temple just for such purpose well at this part of the scripture one commentator had suggested that they were still having building projects uh, around uh, the temple area and there may have been stones readily available they were on the porch uh, so they probably stepped off the porch to go look for something at this point 32 Jesus answered them I showed you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you stoning me? Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you from my Father. For which of these works do ye stone me? You see, friends, he had his credentials there with him. And those credentials were the works he had done. And as I've indicated before, there were not two or three blind men. He didn't have a healing line. Friends, there were literally thousands of blind that had their eyes open, thousands of lame that were walking. Oh, I tell you, the evidence was there, and they wouldn't accept it. Yeah, I like how Jesus redirects that. He just told them, I and the Father are one, but he's redirecting them. Look, you don't want my words make you mad, but how about my works? Are there any works you don't like? Have I healed somebody? wrongly have i fed people wrongly uh which one of my works is it are you going to stone me for because you know people speak through words but god speaks through signs and actions think about that when god speaks he does it through a miraculous sign now sure he can use words and he has god spoke to moses god speaks to us through the scriptures but in our daily lives, you know, people speak to people all the time. I mean, my words aren't worth an awful lot by themselves. Uh, whenever I'm reading God's word, you need to listen. <laughs> I need to listen. 
but God still, uh, we live in a miraculous world. It is, this world is so amazing. Uh, the signs are all around us. Uh, God's fingerprints are everywhere. If you can't believe the words that I speak, the words that Jesus speaks, the words that are in the scripture, believe the signs around you that God is real. Did you know that Striving for Eternity provides speakers and seminars that we would come to your church and disciple your people? We have seminars on the Bible interpretation made easy, creation science, evangelism, presuppositional apologetics, even on sexual abuse. These are just some of the many things that we could provide for your church. Consider inviting one of our speakers to your church. You can contact us at speaker at strivingforeternity.org. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 25. Therefore laying aside falsehood, speak truth each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another for his name's sake. What's up, everybody? I'm Jamal Bandy, the host of the Prescribed Truth Podcast, where I seek to distribute the truth that the doctor prescribes to the church and the world today. The Lord graciously brought me out of a cult in 2010, saved me in 2013, and in 2017, Prescribed Truth began. My mission has been to spread the truth of God's word while refuting dangerous lies affecting most churches and the culture at large from a biblical and reformed perspective. Join me on Sundays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time for the live recording of the podcast on YouTube and download the audio version wherever podcasts can be found, including the Christian podcast community. If you would like to know more about Prescribed Truth, please visit my website at prescribedtruth.com. And remember, this world is full of errors, but the only thing that the doctor prescribes is truth. Blessings. Oh, right. He, um, there we go. And uh, quite a bit of ground. There some really, uh, interesting challenges, uh, to today's scripture. <laughs> I managed to get him in there today. Oh, and I f- forgot to add, you probably heard kids in the background because, Hey, it was a snow day and I couldn't get around recording without the morning zoo in the house. Uh, we did not have a torture chamber, as you may have thought. <laughs> Just kids playing. So hopefully uh, that wasn't too distracting. Uh, but that's all I got. Hey, uh, as mentioned, hey, the first step in all this is don't be stubborn like the Pharisees. Don't be prideful. Don't think you know it all. What really matters is are you repentant? So hopefully... If you're not uh, already in the kingdom, repent. Start with that. And uh, be aware in uh, grief over your sin. And uh, that's the difference between those people across the Jordan who are John's disciples, who many believed, because they were already there with that repentance. Were the Pharisees not? Well, anyway, i got to get going. Uh, thanks for listening. Tell a friend about us. And uh, if you happen to stop by a podcast directory, leave us a rating interview. Stop by the webpage and leave a comment or drop us an email. Uh, and with that said, here is uh, Anthony Russo to tell you how to do all that. And we'll see you next week. Visit life-truth.com where you can find all our shows. Leave a message or call our voicemail number at 401-753-4844. 
Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash life truth page. Follow us on Twitter at capital H, capital P, capital N, capital C, A-S-T. Everything Nathan Caldwell does can be found at facebook.com forward slash protectors of the book. Music on the show is used by permission of Kevin Zerby at zerbinator.wordpress.com. May the word of Christ dwell in you richly. May you find everything you need. And if you don't know Jesus, your greatest need is a Savior. Thanks for listening.